Never has there been a more exciting time to be alive, a time of rousing wonder and heroic achievement. As they said in the film, Back to the Future, where we're going, we don't need roads. Calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, they're gonna see some serious shit. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time at the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm your friend in time, Brad Gilmore, and we have a great show for you today. Today, we're going to be talking to the illustrator for the brand new book that comes out next week. It's called Back to the Future, Race Through Time, and the illustrator's name is J.J. Harrison. J.J. and I are going to talk about his project working on Back to the Future, you know, an extension of the franchise in this book form. And guys, this book is awesome. I'm going to be honest with you. This book is sweet. It's um, definitely a coffee table book. And it comes with a DeLorean that winds up. And <laughs> it has a track on the pages. We'll talk about it with JJ. But it's got like a track on the pages that the DeLorean races through 1885 all the way to 2015. It's an awesome book. If you're a Back to the Future fan, which obviously you listen to this podcast, you should do it. You should get it. Just do it. Do it now. I'd do it for you. Um, I hope you all enjoyed my Back to the Future commentary that we did last week. Uh, that was a much more difficult task than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a much easier task after a little while, and it wasn't. It was not easy at all um, to sit there and, and try to analyze because I got caught up in the story at times you know but anyway it doesn't matter I hope you enjoyed it because I enjoyed doing it it was a fun time but let me tell you about this interview today JJ I just want to do a little disclaimer here um, I set this interview up with this publishing company I thought it was going to go off at 3 p.m. central time that's what my confirmation email said it said 3 p.m. so last night I get home from doing my radio show with uh, Booker T. And I was like, man, I'm going to go see Endgame tomorrow because I haven't seen I haven't seen Avengers. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, what time should I go? So there's a 1030 showing. I had the seats that I wanted in the theater that I like or the theater. And I said, okay, boom, 1030. And then I was like, if it's going off at 1030, then I'll be out by like 2. And that'll give me time to get back to the house, set up. Look through the book, write some questions down, and really get involved with, you know, this interview with JJ and the story and talk about it. So anyway, I thought it was going off at 3 p.m. I get out of Avengers Endgame, and I get back into my driveway at like 1.57 Central Time. Walk up to my studio. It's 1.59, and at 2 p.m. exactly, my phone rings. And I'm like, I wonder who this is. Answer it. It was JJ. It was JJ Harrison. You know, I, I'd either I'd gotten the time early. There was a miscommunication some kind of way. So the interview was at two. So I was like on the spot, had to get him right on. I'm just going through this emotional roller coaster that is Avengers Endgame, which I'm going to, uh, can I? No, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. But there are things that 
pertain maybe to this show that we have to discuss. But anyway, I just got back, so I was flustered, went through that emotional roller coaster and journey, and then I had to interview JJ. So I'm a little bit at the beginning of the interview, I'm a little bit perplexed as to what I'm supposed to be doing. But we get through it, we make it work. It was a really fun time talking to JJ because you could tell he's a true fan of Back to the Future and he felt like he had so much to prove to the fans, the diehards, the pinheads, like you and I. So we're going to go to that interview right now. This is my conversation with J.J. Harrison, the illustrator for the brand new book that's out next Tuesday, by the way, May the 7th, I believe, or May the 6th. Let me check. Hold on. May the 7th. Yeah, I was right. It's out this Tuesday, May the 7th. It is Back to the Future, Race Through Time. It's an awesome coffee table book published by Insight Editions. Definitely Need to pick this up if you're a Back to the Future fan. We're going to talk all about it right now with my guy, J.J. Harris. And joining me on the show right now, he is the illustrator of the brand new book, Back to the Future, Race Through Time, which is out next Tuesday. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. J.J. Harrison. J.J., how are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you, man. You know, I got this book in the mail, uh, I don't know, maybe a month ago or three weeks ago, something like that, and... I got to tell you, if I was a child, which I like to think that I still am at times, this would be my favorite thing ever in the world. So the book is essentially for people out there. It's a um, it's a book about Back to the Future, uh, and it comes with a a car, a little wind up DeLorean that has a track. It has a track on all these different places through you know Hill Valley in 2015, 1955, 1855. So talk to me a little bit about the project. How did you become in, uh, involved with this Back to the Future race through time? Oh, sure. Uh, well, the publisher, Insight Editions, uh, I had done some books for them. Uh, we did a pretty popular book uh, a couple of years ago. It was the where we took the movie Die Hard and turned it into like a kind of like a children's picture book. Uh, and that, that book got um, got a lot of sales and was really popular. So I think that, you know, they, they liked working with me on that. So they asked me if I'd be interested in doing something like this, which was uh, kind of crazy at the time because um, I had never looked like this. Um, but so it was, it was an interesting proposition. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, this will be cool. I, at, the, at the time, I thought I would get to draw more characters in it. I, I was kind of looking forward to drawing like Doc and Marty, but um, they, they wanted to rely more on, on the landscapes for this book. Wait, were you like a Back to the Future fan growing up? Was it was it one of your favorite movies like it was for so many people out there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it was, I mean, it's it been fortunate for me, the projects I get to work on, it's just coincidence that I happen to love those properties. But uh, yeah, Back to the Future was a big deal in, in my life, in my childhood. I think I was um, six when I saw it for the first time. Um, but, you know, and that's the year, the year it came out. But um yeah, it was a huge impact on me. It's like, I mean, that's the reason I got into skateboarding. Um, skateboarding became such a huge part of my life just because of Marty riding around on his skateboard. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's kind of funny when I sat down to do this, I, I, I thought like how many times have I watched the Back to Future trilogy in my life? And, you know, you've got to figure it's at least a couple times a year for just like a regular fan. And, and so it was kind of uh, interesting to, to, to figure that out and then to, you know, and doing this, it required a lot of rewatching and, um, uh, which was kind of funny because they didn't, 
I would have, I would have thought that Universal or somebody would provided a bunch of material to work with, but no, they were kind of just like, hey, we need to draw Hill Valley and all these different time frames and uh, just watch the movies. <laughs> what, 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 was it a little bit intimidating though? I know you worked on other books before, other properties like Die Hard. Back to the Future has such you know, a cult fan base, or not even a cult fan base, but such a passionate fan base, my, myself included, obviously. Uh, did you ever feel like, man, this is a big task? I'm having to draw the clock tower, the DeLorean. Yeah. You know, these are pretty monumental things from the films that people hold near and dear to their heart. Did you feel the pressure to to deliver? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those things that uh, I didn't want to just kind of, like, make stuff up. Um, like, I wanted things to be as accurate as possible because I thought, you know, there's going to be people like yourself out there. They're going to, they're going to catch me on certain things. Like, well, that's not what that looks like. Um, so, you know, it, it, like I said, it required rewatching the movie over and over again. I mean, I had it playing, uh, for weeks straight, uh, the whole trilogy while I was drawing this project. And, and, uh, you know, there'd be parts where, you know, we wanted to do this building or that building and, and there just wasn't a really good shot of it in the movie. And so it required a bunch of, uh, internet research and, you know, sometimes you'd find out like, oh, well, this the same set was used in this other movie or this other TV show. And, and so I'd, I'd get a copy of those and pull it out just to see if I could see things from different angles. And uh, I actually ended up rebuilding Hill Valley in, in a 3D model uh, just so I can move a camera around and and uh, check it out. And, and uh, you know, you, you pull stuff like uh, I don't know if you've seen like the Lego Dimensions Back to the Future yeah. game, but. Uh, for sure, I you know pulled that out and played through that just to, just to get a different look at, at like Hill Valley in each uh, in each era and see like well this is how they solved the problem they they drew it this way or they did it that way and uh, just to compare with what I was doing to, to kind of fill in the gaps you know. Yeah, I, I love that you you had to rebuild Hill Valley a 3D model. Hopefully, hopefully it was to scale. I, I hope you took the time to make it to scale. You know, because Doc he can never get that right. He can never get that right. Uh, you know, right, I'm, exactly. I'm looking through the book right now. Now, where where the idea come from, or was it initially pitched to you that hey, not only do we want you to draw, you know, Hill Valley in 55, 85, 1885, and 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 kind of illustrate some of these iconic sets and iconic set pieces like the clock tower and whatnot, but w when was the idea? Or was it like from the beginning to have the DeLorean actually driving through? Uh, how did that come about, and was that a was that a challenge for you at all? Because it's now it's now you're you're looking at it from you know the, a bird's eye view instead of you know looking directly yeah. at something. The perspective switches completely. W was that the original idea when they pitched you? Like, hey, not only do we want you to do these drawings, we're gonna actually have a car driving on the book while people are flipping right. through it. Yeah, that, that was part of the original pitch, and that, that probably was the most intimidating part um, because they wanted me to design the the layout for the you know for the city each time, and then as part of they wanted the track to be different each time, and they wanted the track to kind of run a certain way so that the car uh, you know wouldn't just zip through too quickly and it, it wouldn't go off the track or anything, and and uh, you know so it was kind of just a, a combination of of winging it and kind of imagining how it was going to play, uh, you know, out, out in the, in the final print. Um, because the best I had to work with was they, they had like this, uh, they had like a video they sent me of, of kind of like a more generic version of the same kind of book. I don't even think it had any, uh, it didn't even have anything printed on the pages. It just had the track kind of on the, on the book spread. And then they had some kind of car zipping around on it and, and so seeing that and kind of just trying to imagine what it was going to be like for the DeLorean to whip through these 
these areas of town and and you know my biggest stressor was probably trying to make the streets wide enough and the track designed well enough that you know wouldn't it would seem kind of natural it wouldn't seem like it was just covering things up or or doing something weird now, d- while you're watching the movies, obviously you're having to watch them with a really close eye, like we do on this show. We watch them very closely. Um, uh-huh. What 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 are some of the things that stuck out to you that you were like, you know, based upon second, third, fifth, eighteenth watching or eighteenth viewing, you were like, oh man, I never noticed that in Back to the Future before. For example, for me, it was you know the 1885 in Back to the Future Three when Marty and Doc first go over to talk to the train conductor, and you can see Clara Clayton like in the background while they're talking, you know, about showing yeah. Ravine. Like I never saw that until I watched with a super careful eye. Uh, was there anything that sure. stuck out to you like that in any of the movies? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's lots of little things like that. I mean, there, there'd even be, um, you know, you start to pay more attention to, like, the, the 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 rules of the time travel and stuff like that. Like, I noticed something that I thought was kind of paradoxical uh, going through this, where, you know, when uh, when old man Biff goes back in time and gives, you know, his younger self the almanac, he then, like, returns to his same timeline which hasn't been changed at all by that event and so i thought well that's kind of paradoxical uh but like the more you watch it the more i think i don't know if doc explains it but but time their their version of time travel and their rules of time kind of it kind of acts like a like a river like there's ripples like it kind of takes time to catch up and so you kind of have to like yeah you know, i had to explain it to myself and to my kids who are you know obviously around watching this with me while i was working uh you know i had like because my son my son has asperger's and and he gets really hung up on things like that that don't make sense. And, and so he, when we spotted that kind of paradox in there where it's like, oh, hey, you know, Biff returns to his own timeline. Wouldn't it have been changed by then? And, uh, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't everything be altered? How can he return to his, to, you know, to everything being the same way it was when he left? It's crazy but, that you bring um, that up, though. It's crazy, not to cut you off, JJ, but it's crazy you bring that up because this has actually been a, a topic of conversation on the show before because in a deleted scene... Uh, from Back to the Future 2. I don't know if you've ever seen it. In a deleted scene when Biff comes back, old man Biff, when he comes back to the same timeline that he left from, uh, the in the deleted scene, he disappears completely. Oh, wow. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, so he disappears cool. completely, and it's kind of like, then it explains, oh, wow, he must have really screwed something up. You know, we, we never we never found out what happened between alternate 1985 and alternate 2015, but something happened between that 30 year period, right. which caused him to disappear and eventually, you know, I guess pass away. I guess was what it was. So tell your son that, or maybe go back and watch it because it, it might fill <laughs> yeah. in it might fill in some blanks there. So okay, for me, watching it as a child always and to this day, Doc Brown favorite character hands down, bar none. Um, for you, is is Doc your favorite? Is Marty? And I've even grown an affinity to Biff. Who who's the character that stood sure. out? Sure, uh, I think it's Doc. I mean, Doc is the most endearing to me, and and uh, you know he's the most fun, like he's just that guy you want to tag along with and have an adventure with. You know, like he's just excited, exciting. Like he just shows up on scene and he's like doing something crazy, and and uh, you know he he has the most animated reactions to things and. Uh, so, you know, even as a kid, I mean, obviously as a kid, I, you know, you idolize Marty because like, you see yourself in Marty. He's kind of like that, like the Peter Parker type character where it's like, oh, this is me. Um, but, yeah, I think that it's definitely Doc has been my favorite. Now, um, one of the things that also stood out to me when I was looking through the book and it never occurred to me 
you know, when I was looking at the cover, which is a beautifully illustrated cover, you see the clock tower, you see, you know, the, the DeLorean on top of a clock with fire trails, you see the flying train, you know, the police car. And it was funny when I saw the Lion Estates post initially, I thought that was supposed to be the ledge of the clock tower. And I was like, wait, that's a lion. That's not the Jaguar or whatever. <laughs> and then I, it was the first time that it ever occurred to me that there's two sets of iconic cats in, yeah. in Back to the Future. Well, I, I don't know if that was something you ever picked up on. I wonder what the explanation was. Did you ever put any thought to that? Why are there these two sets of cats that seem to be a prominent you know, landmark? Yeah, I know. I, I wondered about it, but I didn't uh, do any research on that to see if there was anything there. But but I did look at like the sculpts for the lion and stuff like, you know, you've seen some of those props and and uh, just to get reference. And, and sometimes it's just like, well, there's a lot of detail on this. Like I never stopped and, and looked at it. And I, I think that that's probably one of the things that I got most out of this project was just looking at everything and looking at all the detail they put into like, you know, just into like the cafe in each different era, you know, and, and the, and the stuff like where, you know, where, where Marty goes to buy the almanac, like all the crap that's like in the window there, uh, just like looking at it, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Now, how, how closely did you have to work with the, the writer, Mark, you know, who, who provided the text for the book? How closely did y'all work together on the project? Would you send him some pages and he say, okay, this is where I can put this, this, and this, or, Hey, I want to discuss this particular thing. Or I want to make this landmark. Can you draw something around it that would make sense, you know, for the map of Hill Valley? Sure. Actually, unfortunately, we didn't. Um, I didn't even meet Mark, you know, on, on online or anything until after the project had wrapped. Um, like when I when I actually got this project, I didn't have much of the text and stuff that you see in the book. Um, I didn't have any of that to work with. Um, it was kind of like uh, I was kind of given a really loose, like somebody at the publisher had put together kind of a loose drawing of of. Uh, where they thought things would be in relation to each other on each page spread. And, um, you know, they, and if I could, if you could see those compared to like what ended up being in the, in the book, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a drastic difference. Uh, but it was something to work with, you know, it was just like, this is all we have to give you run with it, you know? And sometimes when you're like a hired gun uh, as an illustrator or writer to come into a project like this, like a licensed property that's so revered and has such a huge fan base already, um, you know, they're kind of relying on you to to fill in a lot of those gaps and and be creative and be an artist and and uh, you know solve these problems for them. So, you know, this this is actually one of those projects where I was probably given the least amount of stuff to work with <laughs> before going into it. And and you know, and when I'd seen um, you know, I saw some demos online, some videos of of the final book with the actual all the text in it. I'm like, whoa, this is this is awesome. Like, I because that was my first. My first time seeing it. I actually haven't even held the book in my hands yet because I haven't I haven't gotten my copy. <laughs> well, uh, I feel I feel privileged now then. I've been pretty jealous of guys like you who've gotten your advanced copy. <laughs> uh, but you know, I could see online like you know you look, like there's there's a nice video backtofuture.com put up some nice videos of, of a walkthrough of the book and so after after seeing it with all the text, I was like, whoa, that's so cool and you know and and I think that a lot of times licensed projects like this they're kind of thrown together in a time frame because, uh, you know, publishers, they have a limited window they can work with. Like they have, they have publishing windows they have to work with, but then they also have a limited time they can work with a license before their license expires. And, and so I think it was just kind of like a race, like literally like, you know, the book's called a race through time, but we, we literally had to race through getting this book done. And, 
And, and uh, you know, so looking at it now with where the text is and some of the things I'm like, oh, you know, I would, I totally would have done this differently. I would have changed that. And, and, you know, there, there's always going to be things like that in any project, but I mean, this was definitely one where I think, uh, you know, all of us involved on the project probably underestimated how much it takes to draw a building <laughs> and how much it takes to like paint every window and paint every windowsill and, and every ledge and, and, you know, draw bricks and, and uh, so it was, it was kind of a different project for me to work on. And, and uh, so we kind of like had this really tight, tight schedule. And, uh, you know, of course, I, there's always these, all these things I would have wanted to go back and do. Like I wanted to add more life to each spread, I'd put more people and more cars and, and stuff like that in each spread. But uh, unfortunately, we, you know, we were kind of strapped for time. Well, what, what I love, though, about it is, for, especially for a Back to the Future fan, it's almost like a Where's Waldo book in a lot of ways. When you're looking through it, yeah. like I'm looking through it, I'm like, oh, oh, there's a, you know, one of my favorite things when I first saw it, I was like, look, there's George. He's a peeping Tom, and you can see him being a peeping <laughs> Tom, you know? Or, uh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, you know, here's one thing that I think that if you're a diehard Back to the Future fan and you get this book, you're going to appreciate. And it's not anything that's ever discussed. I've never seen it printed one time anywhere. There's been no discussion of it. There's been no backstory to it, but I really appreciated its inclusion in this book, and that was the Bluebird Motel. You know, no one ever yeah. talks about the Bluebird Motel, but you see it several times in the first movie for the 1955, uh, in 1955, and there's no explanation. I do have a keychain for the Bluebird Motel, but that's all I know oh. about it. Did you know anything? Right. Did, did you find out anything when you were like looking? You're just obviously looking for the sign to recreate it, but did you ever look into the Bluebird Motel at all? Oh, no. And, and you know, those were, those were the hardest buildings to get reference for, too, is because they're usually they're just like whipped by really quickly in a scene. And, and, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think that to even to draw those, I had to pull out like some set photos, like behind the scenes set photos. I had to dig deep through Google to find a really nice archive of, of set photos that showed those even because I couldn't, there was just nothing available, like nothing called them out like by name or anything like that. So, you know, I thought it was important, like, I, cause you can see the sign clearly like back where, you know, Marty's supposed to to start with a DeLorean to take off to get back to to 1985. You know, it's like where where Doc draws that big line. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, there's definitely a sign for it out here. Um, so I, you know, I wanted to include that, but yeah, there's there's a, a lot of little things like that that I wanted to make sure that we got right. You know, just, just like I said, I didn't want to just like make things up and you know uh, you know have have people kind of you know it's not because kids are kids aren't gonna know. You know, but there people like you or me would definitely know, like, well, you know, what's what's that doing there? You know? Right. Now, did you go to any like, you, you know, I know you're in Utah, but did you go to any of this physical locations? You know, I know when I was in Pasadena, California, the last time I was like, I got to make a trip. I got to go see the Gamble House. That's where Doc Brown lives. I got to see right. it. You know, I got to go over there. You know, were there any of the sets? Did you get a chance to or did you want to? No, just for time, there wasn't the, the capability. But, you know, I, I mean, I grew up in Southern California and, and we used to go to, you know, like Universal and we, you know, we could like visit some of the lots and stuff. So I remember seeing, you know, like the the courthouse, uh, you know, and things like that, you know, back when I was a kid. But there are definitely things like it definitely added things to my bucket list. Like, OK, now I need to go and see Gamble House. I, I definitely want to see. You know that you know that street in Pasadena where like Mc, George McFly's house is because it's such a such a weird house. Like the architecture in that house is so strange, and it's like 
it's still there, you know, and it still looks like that. So it's, it's pretty cool. So, you know, I've definitely put those on my to-do list. Like next time I'm back in Southern California, we need to like visit each of these places. Now I, I asked this of everybody, but okay. There was only three films. We had an animated series. We had the, the comic series. We have the, even the game, which expands the timeline even further. But let's, let's say all sure. that didn't happen. Even the ride. Let's say all that didn't happen. though. It stops at three. And then, you know, JJ, someone says, JJ Harrison, we're going to go back to the future again. We're making back to the future part four. What would you like to see these characters do or go? You know, is there another timeline you'd like to see them do? I mean, we saw 100 years back. We saw 30 years in the future, 30 years back. Is there another timeline you would like to see these characters involved in? Oh, my goodness. That, <laughs> that is a hard question. <laughs> uh, because we now, you know, after 2015, after October 2015, you know, Back to the Future is officially a series about the past. Uh, yeah, you know, so is yeah. There, would you like to see them go further into the future? Uh, any, anything like that ever come to your mind? You know, I think that part part of the fun for me um, was the mythology of like the families, like you know Biff's family lineage and the McFly lineage. Um, I think I'd like to see them explore more of Doc Brown's family history, and uh, you know, because it's it, it seems like he's got kind of a reputation somehow. Like the, it seems like the Brown family has some kind of reputation in Hill Valley, and, and so I think it'd be fun to like to see more, to see that, you know, to see, uh, what, what is, what has caused that. So maybe to see some of that history would be cool. Uh, certainly seeing the future is always going to be cool. I love to see like futurist versions of like, Oh, this is what we think the future will be like in sci-fi. And, and that's one of the things I love about back to the future is cause they didn't, you know, a lot of times when, when, uh, things go into the future in, in fiction, it's kind of like go to this like weird dystopia. And, uh, but I feel like in, in Back to the Future, it's still, you know, pretty, pretty positive. I mean, the only dystopia ever was like Biff's version of like 1985. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, so I think like it'd be fun to see what their positive view of, of the future might be like too. I think on repeat viewings of Back to the Future, we all, like I said, we pick up on little things in the background, but we also, you start to have your own favorite little scenes that may have not been your favorite when you were a kid, but now that you've seen it so many times, it sticks out to you a little bit more. One and or a favorite line. My favorite line from the entire trilogy, JJ, is you know when Marty you know goes back to 1955 in the first movie. He's at the Baines household. He's sitting down for dinner, and uh, he uh, his his mom tries to grope his leg, so he gets up and he runs out. And his future grandfather just says he's an idiot. Comes from up. <laughs> His parents are probably idiots too. It's my favorite line in the entire trilogy. It's my favorite line by leaps and bounds. What's your? Do you have a favorite quote from the films? Oh gosh, I. Uh, that's hard. I really mean, though, they... uh, Marty's grandfather, uh, you know, Lorraine's dad had a couple of great ones. Also, who, who the hell is John F. Kennedy? Was another great. Yeah. One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I, it's hard to say. I mean, the I mean, it, like you know very well. Like you, you watch the movie enough times. Like you're you're basically saying it. You could say every line before it's said, and so they all kind of have significance to you. Um, you know, I think for me, I like the touching moments. Like I like um, I like when Doc is kind of talking to himself about like you know he's like kind of like, oh you're doing a weather experiment huh you know and and. Uh, you know, and he talks about how, oh, there's going to be lightning, all right. You know, it, it kind of like, there's those moments where it, it kind of softens up and the music gets a little bit like 
pulls on the heartstrings a, a little, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so I, I think the moments like that are usually my favorite, but, but yeah, it's so hard to pull out one quote because like everything in, in the movie is so good. Like oh yeah, every, I mean, I, I could go on line. for days, obviously, about every line. Okay, then then I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> this this is the last question I got for you. I'll put you on the spot. Okay. And there is a correct answer to this. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Back to the Future one, two, and three. On any given day, my list changes of how I rank the movies, and it's very hard. You know, most of the time I go one, three, two. Sometimes I go three, mm-hmm. one, two. But I recently watched Back to the Future 2 like a week ago, and I really liked it. Which one for you, if you had to rank them? How, how are you going to rank them? You know, one through three. How, do you, how, does, it, how does your list turn out, JJ? I, I think it's always probably always going to be one, three, two. Um, you know, two, I, I always had, like, as a kid, when I was a little kid, I thought two was the coolest. Right. You know, future, hoverboards, everything. So cool. But as as a you know mature adult, um, I've grown to kind of like have a a lesser taste for that one. Except I, I will say this project probably sparked a new appreciation, new love of that era of of two, and mo- mostly because of you know the the 2015 uh, Hill Valley having having to like live there and live in it and draw it and figure out how the heck it played out, and then looking at you know like how they're all the little things like, you know, looking at, they had like an underground mall, you know, that, I mean, they never show it, but like, there's this like underground mall that goes under, like under the courthouse area. And, uh, it's like, Oh, I want to go down there. I want to see what's down there, you know? And so I think I do have a much stronger appreciation for two now, but, uh, it's definitely, I just, I love three. I love the old West. I mean, I remember that that's probably the one that as a kid, I have the most clear memory of seeing like in the theater and, and, uh, you know, being so being so happy about it. And my dad was always into old Westerns. And so it was kind of like being able to share that with him. You know, he was really into that movie, too. My parents both loved it. And, and uh, so I think there was a lot of excitement around three. But I think one is definitely always going to be number one. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to go against, you know, you know, back to the future one. It's just so great. I think that I think that two is. A lot of times it gets, I think, the worst rap a lot of people put at their bottom. I think it's way better if you watch two and three back-to-back because I think yes, that's kind of yeah. how they're supposed to be, just watch them yeah. back-to-back because the way two ends, it just, you know, it leads right into three, and you have to For almost sure. watch it back-to-back. So, But here's the thing. You can relive 1955, 1885, 1985, and 2015, and you can race through time with a collectible wind-up DeLorean, which is such a phenomenal touch it is back to the future <laughs> race through time uh it's available next week and it's illustrated by the man that i'm talking to right now jj harrison it's going to be available on amazon or wherever books are sold jj i appreciate you so much for taking the time to talk about this incredible project oh no thank you thanks for having me all right well hey hopefully we'll bump into each other sometime in the future that's jj harrison uh back to the future of the podcast we'll be back next week Oh, Brian, what have you done now? Oh, Brian, what have you done now?